at that point, I was just absolutely terrified of giving birth in a hospital. Now that I step back and take a look at everything that has happened in the last 20 weeks of my pregnancy, none of it went the way I expected it to. And everything that I had done to prevent this possibility of me being called high risk was just rendered useless because they're still going to call me high risk, even though I'm not. And so I started researching birth centers. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What do you do when your mainstream care provider won't listen to what it is that you need? When you know Something isn't right, but they totally blow you off. Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 160 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking to Michelle, who had to go to battle with her care providers in order to keep her baby safe. We'll hear how she advocated for her child in utero and what she did to avoid further disruptions later on in her pregnancy which, spoiler alert, (laughs) led her to out-of-hospital midwifery care. Now, before we jump in, I want to share a quick word from one of my amazing Happy Home Birth Academy students, Zoe. I just wanted to share my testimony for Happy Home Birth Academy. I highly recommend it to everyone I know asking what's the best way to prepare for their first home birth. And Happy Home Birth Academy is really the perfect combination of all the information that I was personally seeking preparing for my first home birth from nutrition to partner support to preparing my mind and body. Happy Home Birth Academy was the birth course that I was really looking for that really helped me empower my husband and I with confidence in our path moving forward toward our first home birth and it's super affordable. We did the payment plan, so it was really a no-brainer. It didn't hurt us at all. And I also love that it was in modules, so I could take it in a bit at a time and flag the sections for my husband to watch. And I had already learned so much from listening to the podcast. Caitlin has so much uh, free content, which is such a blessing, but having the course organized and packaged every detail so well, so I really felt well supported and like I hadn't missed any information that I needed moving forward. So I cannot recommend Happy Home Birth Academy enough. I love it so much. And I know that anyone else who does the course feels the same way. Zoe, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Your words are so touching and I'm grateful to have been able to play a part in preparing you for your redemptive home birth. And hey, I'd love to help you listener, prepare for your happy home birth as well. Whether that's through Happy Home Birth Academy, or if you're getting super excited about the Home Birth Collective, which is what I'm putting together now, and we'll be releasing a lot of new information about in the coming weeks. The Home Birth Collective is going to be a very intensive group prenatal cohort that's going to be walking through several months of pregnancy together And it is like no other childbirth education program on the market right now. It's so far beyond that. It puts community first, connection first, and the ability for you to truly make the transformation so that your home birth is the rite of passage that you deserve it to be and that your baby deserves you to have. Because when we get that experience, when we have that beautiful transformative birth, We get to enter into motherhood with our best foot put forward. And that's what we're going to be doing with myself, with your fellow members of the Home Birth Collective, with the incredible expert trainings that I have lined up, and with the amazing educational prenatal centering calls that I have lined up with two of my favorite birth professionals. This comprehensive community that we are going to be growing is going to be mind-blowing. It's everything that I would want for myself 
when I'm pregnant. I cannot wait. And if you are as excited as I am about the prospect of this, then please head over to the wait list so that you will be the first to know as information drops about the Home Birth Collective. So that's at myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash collective. Get on that so you are the first in line. And now I wanna take just a second to celebrate Happy Home Birth with you. Over the last couple of weeks, I will admit I'm a little slow to be celebrating, but Happy Home Birth hit over 500,000 downloads. We're now at 522,000 downloads as I am releasing this uh, for the podcast. And that is such a massive milestone. And at the same time, over on Instagram, uh, Happy Home Birth Podcast hit 15,000 followers. So to celebrate this week, I'm going to be running a gift away of the amazing, if you haven't seen these, they're so cool, the amazing placenta coffee mugs from The Lumpy Mug. Uh, They are I have been just dying to have one of these mugs for since I knew they existed. Um, So I'm getting one for myself and I want to gift one to you as well. So head over to Instagram. That's going to be on Wednesday that this begins. So check that out and be sure to enter to win an amazing placenta art piece mug. And thank you so much as always for supporting the show. I cannot believe we are at 500,000 downloads. I can't believe you guys are enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying creating it. What a gift. Next, I'd like to thank our reviewer of the week, Birth Geek, who wrote one of my favorite podcasts. I'm a bit of a birth nerd here. As a mama of nine with the last four being home births and a birth doula, this is a great resource. I love how natural, peaceful, and God-honoring the stories are told. I am glad to recommend your podcast to clients and friends. Oh, thank you so much, Birth Geek. Please email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com so that I can mail you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. Okay, let's move into the interview. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and this show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for yourself and your family. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Would you mind taking just a moment here at the beginning to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, So as mentioned, my name is Michelle. Uh, I'm a first-time mom. And uh, my husband and I have been together for a little over seven years, been married for two. And we try to live a mostly natural lifestyle. So I actually started sharing my natural pregnancy journey on my social media um, shortly after I switched from traditional prenatal care. And I think from then on is when I started to really gain a really big interest in holistic health. So I'm what some might consider crunchy. Um, That term always cracks me up because it's the funniest word. But But I accept it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So now that we have our little guy, I like to kind of share what our life is like as first-time parents and um, kind of sharing what we do in terms of what products we might like to use for him or what our day-to-day kind of looks like. Um, I talk about a lot about um, like his, the cloth diapering that we're doing, um, bath products that we're using or are not using yet. Um, hence, we do a lot of breast milk baths. <laughs> oh, cool. um, and then I also share and repost a lot of good birth content because since giving birth, I am obsessed about birth. That happens. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, I guess, a little bit about us. <laughs> amazing. So, okay, you mentioned that at the beginning, your plan was not uh, to give birth at home. You had started with traditional OB care. What was that like? What was the beginning of your pregnancy like? So the beginning of my pregnancy, I actually had a miscarriage just a couple months prior. Um, and it was an early miscarriage, but it definitely stung. So the second time around, I was very worried and cautious, you know, feeling all the feelings um, that come with an early pregnancy, all those hormones. (laughs) Um, So what happened was I, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, um, I called the OB 
And I said, hey, I was wondering if you'd be able to check my HCG levels and my progesterone levels. Um, I asked them to check my progesterone levels because I actually had one of my best friends. Um, she had three miscarriages and she did, she went through all this genetic testing, all these expensive tests, everything for her and her husband. And in the end, the only thing that they didn't test for were her progesterone levels. And once they figured out what was wrong and supplemented her, she went on to have her rainbow baby. Yeah. So I asked them if they could do that for me. Um, they basically said no. They would only test my HCG levels and they don't normally do progesterone level checks unless I've been referred by a fertility specialist, which wouldn't happen until I've had at least three miscarriages. Oh my so, word. That was the first red flag, but I just kind of, I didn't know what my other options were. So I just kind of brushed it off and was like, okay, so I guess I'll just go along with it and hope for the best. Um, so they did test my HCG levels. They started to go up as they should, and then they started to level out like they shouldn't. Um, and that had happened with my previous miscarriage. So again, I became very worried. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and so I took it upon myself to go and get my own progesterone levels checked. Good it cost you. me 40 bucks um, each visit. I did it three weeks in a row. And I know that the levels are supposed to slowly go up, but mine were the first time they were good. The second time they went up a little, but the third time it had dropped dramatically. And so when I got that test result back, I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, you know, I didn't know at that point, I was like, what do I do? Because I didn't really think past, I'm going to get my progesterone levels checked, but I never thought about what the next course of action would be if I needed help. Um, so then again, I called the, my OB, it's a huge hospital system where I was going. Um, and I called them and it was an on-call doctor. And I said, hi, um, I know you can see like my records. I previously called and asked about this. Um, and I actually took it upon myself to get my levels checked and they're, they've actually dropped significantly. Um, like, is there any way that you could please see if there's a possibility to like prescribe me a progesterone supplement, you know, or is there anything that we can do? Um, Cause I at least, you know, I, in my mind, it was, if I was going to miscarry this baby again, I wanted to at least know that I did everything that I possibly could to keep the pregnancy going. Um, and that doctor, what she said really shocked me. And I didn't really realize it until I hung up the phone. She said, I'm sorry, but there's nothing that we can do. Um, women that normally take progesterone only do so to make themselves feel better. I know this pregnancy means a lot to you, but try not to worry. Oh my word. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, I, I, in the heat of the moment, I was just kind of like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then I got off the phone and I texted my best friend and I was, and then after I sent her that text, I read it and I was like, did she really just say that to me? And I'm like, and then I, and then I got mad. Mm -hmm. I wasn't yeah. mad when I got off the phone because I hadn't processed it. And until I realized what she had actually said. And I was like, wow, Wait a minute. <laughs> you're, you're a doctor. Aren't you supposed to have some bedside manner or something? Or you some know. knowledge of progesterone maybe yeah, could be cool. Something. And I was just like, okay. So I had, I didn't know what to do. Um, and all I, all I knew was I, I know I need to get my hands on progesterone somehow. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know how, but I'm going to make it happen. So I started Googling. Mm -hmm. I was like, is there some black market for progesterone? Oh yeah. Is, <laughs> not even black market. So not advising. But, you know, I was just like, okay, there's got to be some way for me to get my hands on this. And I eventually, I, you know, GoodRx had all these, you know, pharmacies and everything. And then they have like ads for these telehealth apps. So I actually found a telehealth app and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and see if I can just talk to a, a, like, you know, a GP and see if they'd be willing to prescribe me progesterone because they can. And I 
to this day, I just, I feel like God aligns all the stars. He brought me through this heart-wrenching journey, but I learned a lot from it. And he brought me through every step of this and put me in the right place at the right time. Because that doctor that happened to be on call that day for that specific app, she was quite literally the nicest doctor that I have ever met that I've ever talked to. And she listened to me. She understood everything. And all she said was, she said, Michelle, I'm, you know, I have to say this because, you know, I I have to tell you, it's not going to be a magic pill. I'm not saying it's going to work, but I know it's not going to hurt. And I will prescribe you what you need. So, and then I was, yeah. And I was just, I got off, like, I started crying. Thank you. You have no idea how much that means to me. She said, the only thing is I don't normally deal with these types of things. So I don't really know what kind of progesterone is like, you know, you need. And I said, let me ask a few of my friends um, and see, because I know I have, I have a few internet friends that, you know, have taken progesterone and I went and asked them. And then I asked my best friend and they told me they just, this little capsule and they took it as a suppository. And so I got back to her and I let her know. And she said, okay, let me write the prescription and you can go pick it up tonight. And I just remember feeling a huge sense of relief. Um, and I just, I was just so thankful. And it was crazy because we were out running errands that day. Um, and then when we got home from running errands, I went to the bathroom and I had started bleeding. Oh my word. And this all happened on this Saturday. Like I just remember it clear as day. And I remember I, I started bleeding and I was like, oh my God, like this, I, that's this, I know that's a symptom of low progesterone. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, you know, the last time this happened, I miscarried. Um, and then just a couple hours later, the prescription was ready. I went to go pick it up, took it that night and I never bled again. Oh. And everything was normal. So it's like everything was just, it just worked out so perfectly. Um, And I just, I couldn't have planned it better myself. And it's honestly just, I feel like it's just all glory to God because there's no way, like, I don't think I would have gone through trying to, I, I wouldn't have known like what to do. I wasn't in a right state of mind, but for some reason, something just kept me going. Like, you know, maybe I'll Google this and then maybe I'll reach out to this. And then it just happens. Um, but yeah, so that I mean, was the very start of my pregnancy. <laughs> that just, when you really think about it, like when you think back, that choice that you made to to have your progesterone checked, like to have your levels checked on your own very well could have changed everything, you know, that you advocating for yourself and your baby like Mm -hmm. changed everything that's that's amazing yeah and I just I honestly just I was setting myself up for another loss because I was like I don't you know these doctors are telling me they can't help me so like what can I actually do right like I don't know what to do um and so yeah that's what happened with my whole progesterone story and Um, I continued on with that same hospital system, that same OB office, um, just because, like I said, I didn't know what my choices were. And I was like, okay, well, you know, now that we're past the scary stage and everything is going great, like maybe they'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I'm fine. Yeah, now that I'm fine and figured it out myself, maybe they, you know, they can help me. Um, But yeah, so I went to my next appointment um, since the beginning was kind of rocky, I had more ultrasounds than I would care to have. Um, but I had one at like five weeks and at seven weeks and at eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the seven week is when they found the heartbeats. Um, and I remember seeing that because that was, that was two weeks after I started taking progesterone. And so I didn't, I didn't know what was happening inside my body. I didn't know if the baby was still there. Or, you know, I read all these stories about miscarriages and just all these things that you start to go down a black hole when you start to like worry and get into your own mind about what could happen. Um, And so when we saw that heartbeat, it was just, 
the most incredible thing in the world. And it, it sucked because they still weren't allowing my husband to come in. So I had to FaceTime him. Um, and he was sitting in the car in the parking lot, just anxiously waiting. Um, and so after they had found the heartbeat and everything, I talked to the OB and I said, yeah, so I actually started taking progesterone. <laughs> even though you didn't prescribe it to me, (laughs) just so you know. And I told her, I was like, I started bleeding that same day, but ever since I took it, nothing. And, you know, things have continued as normal, obviously. And she just kind of looked at me and she goes, oh, that's interesting. And that's all she said. And I was like, oh, great. That's interesting. Hmm. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know what else to say. So I was like, okay, well, Um, so that was, you know, the beginning of my pregnancy and then this hospital system that I was going to, they have a birth center attached to the hospital. So that was my my second thing. I was like, oh, maybe if I go to this hospital attached birth center, they'll be more natural minded. You know, maybe there will be these awesome midwives that can work with me. So I switched my care from the OB to the um, certified nurse midwives. And looking back it was like it was the same thing they treated me the same it was nothing like the personal care that I had heard about from women that had traditional midwives it was still in a hospital setting the appointments were very just touch and go just checking in checking the baby's heartbeat how are you feeling take your vitals any questions they were 15 minutes at most um and it was nothing like I had wanted so, but I, I kept my hopes up because again, I didn't know what other options and um, I was scared of home birth and a freestanding birth center. Cause I was like, what if all these things go wrong? Because the beginning of my pregnancy was already so rocky. Like what if something else goes wrong? You know? Um, so I stayed on with the hospital center or the hospital attached birth center Um and then came the genetic tests for that they take. I think I don't know if it's just in California, but they do this um, genetic testing at 16 weeks. They take your blood and they send it in, and the results came back. And I my levels were elevated in two of the hormones. It was AFP and inhibin. Um, the AFP elevated could have meant the possibility of um, my baby having sp- uh, spina bifida. So they scheduled the anatomy ultrasound and looked everything over and thankfully everything was fine. Um, But from then on, they said, well, that could also mean that there's something wrong with your placenta. So we'll have to do all these blood flow checks and everything. And so I was like, okay, because I was like anything to make sure my baby is going to be okay, you know, getting everything that he needs. Um, Everything was fine. But come to my next midwife appointment, they said, you're now high risk. You're no longer eligible to give birth at the birth center. We're going to induce you by 40 weeks. You should be taking baby aspirin every day. And it was literally just, they started naming a laundry list of things that I had been so adamantly avoiding and doing everything I could to prevent. And I asked her, I was like, so all of this, labeling me as high risk and everything it's just precautionary and she said yeah I said okay so there's not actually anything wrong with me or the baby so I'm not actually high risk <laughs> and she said no right now there's nothing wrong but this is just precautionary and I said so these two elevated hormone levels from a screening test that has high false positives is why you're labeling me as high risk <sighs> So I'm going to need okay. to take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was my pregnancy. Like for the, this is my first half of my pregnancy. And I just, I was just, I feel like in a constant state of what next, like what is going to happen next. And so after I walked out of that appointment, I sat in my car and called my husband and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I was crying because I was like, I like, I had this plan, like this vision in mind of how I wanted our birth to go and everything just, she just took it all away. 
all of, you know, a just in case, Mm -hmm. just in case this might happen. And so I started researching birth centers, um, freestanding birth centers, because I was at that point, I was just absolutely terrified of giving birth in a hospital. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like, okay, now that I step back and take a look at everything that has happened in the last 20 weeks of my pregnancy, none of it went the way I expected it to. And everything that I had done to prevent this possibility of me being called high risk was just rendered useless because they're still going to call me high risk, even though I'm not. And so I started researching birth centers and I was thinking, okay, like, let me look into some midwives and see. And then I ended up finding one about 30 minutes from our home and I called and they were full and all the other birth centers were full. And, but, um, you know, they said, leave your name, leave your number, leave your due date, because if we have a transfer of care or something, we'll let you know. And so a week later, that birth center called me back and she had one opening left. She said, we have one more opening. And that was just, I was like, this is a sign. I was like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, this is meant to be like this, like this is going to happen. <laughs> so we set up an appointment to go visit the birth center, meet the midwife, um, and just kind of go over, you know, what my pregnancy looked like. I brought my medical records. I brought all of that. And I told her everything. And, um, she looked over everything and she, as she's looking over it, she's done. And she looks up at me, she goes, you're low risk. I don't know what they're talking about. There's nothing wrong with you or your baby. And I was just like, right. I was like, I'm not crazy. Like that's what I was thinking. And so, um, and just from that first appointment, like not even saying like, you know, we're going to go with you. You know, there was no pressure at that appointment. She said, just meet us, take a look at the birth center, see how you feel, talk to us, ask us any questions. And I was able, I loved it because I was able to ask her about nutrition. I was able to ask her about all these vitamins I was taking, which by the way, the OB had said, oh, just your prenatal. You can stop taking all those letter vitamins now. And I was like, okay, my research says otherwise, but, <laughs> but great, I'm going to keep taking them. <laughs> and so, yeah, I loved being able to just talk to this midwife about everything that I was doing with my pregnancy and not feeling like I was going to get judged for it or get looked at like, what do you think you're doing? You don't know what you're doing. And I remember leaving that appointment and we were standing outside the birth center and I just looked up at my husband and I started crying because I was so happy. And I was just like, this is just everything that I've been looking for. And I didn't realize I needed Mm. for this pregnancy up until this point. And so that was the moment we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do this birth center birth. And so from then on, I, you know, just canceled all my appointments at the OB. You know, of course they didn't follow up and ask why I canceled. I was just another number to them. I don't, they didn't even notice. Mm -hmm. And I switched all my care to the midwives and the birth center. And yeah, it was just, the care was just absolutely phenomenal. And my husband loved going to the appointments too. And he got to ask questions and he got to be involved in the appointments. You know, when they would palpate the baby, they would teach him how to do it too. And you would get to hear, we would get to hear the actual heartbeat, not just the Doppler heartbeat. And that was just the sweetest sound ever. Yeah. That is incredible. What a massive difference. I mean, like just hearing you talk about it, it sounds like just this huge weight was just lifted off of your shoulders. It was, it was just from, it was just like this pregnancy. I was like, this pregnancy is so stressful. I was like, this can't be good for me or the baby. Right. Like, but I'm, I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like I'm trying not to stress, Right. but all these things keep coming up. And then you're telling me that there's something wrong with me, but there's not. Yes. It's it's unnecessary stress. Like, you know, it's not even real. Yeah. And so as soon as we switched, I, it was just all smiles. Like 
I didn't worry. I don't think I worried another day in that pregnancy. I didn't stress another day because things were just amazing. And I knew that these midwives, like, you know, they reassured me again, like if anything were to change in your, you know, outside of what is normal, we'll work on that. And then if not, then we'll transfer your care. But otherwise you and the baby are perfectly healthy and you have nothing to worry about. And that's just words that I would never hear from my OB. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, so it sounds like the rest of the pregnancy was a lot smoother. What, what was it like? And then leading on into your labor. So, um, the rest of the pregnancy was just, it was, it went smoothly and it was just, you know, the, it was right around the time I had my, I had to have my gestational diabetes test was the first time when they, when I really got a feel for how they deal with things like that in terms of like procedures and tests. And I just loved it because they, at the previous appointment, they said, so your next appointment, we normally test for gestational diabetes. And I was just like, okay, yeah, that's fine. She said, we don't do that glucola drink here. And I was like, awesome. I didn't want to drink that. Um, Instead, they did a smoothie for me that had the 50 grams of protein. It was very delicious. It was high in sugar, (laughs) but very delicious. Um, And it was all like real fruit and yogurt, um, you know, and everything. And so I felt so much better knowing that I was going to be drinking that and not that glucola drink. Yep. Um, but when they brought up the GD test, they, you know, they were telling me all about it. And what they basically did was just give me all the information about it and just let me make a decision whether I wanted to do it or not. They yep. didn't even, they didn't say pros and cons. Like there was no pro. They just gave me the information and let me do what I wanted to do with it because oh, they trusted me. Mm-hmm. They trusted me and my judgment for my body and my baby. And I loved that. And I knew that I wanted to do it just because if I did end up having GD, then I wanted to be able to take the necessary steps and clean up and change my diet. Um, and so I remember answering like, yeah, I'll do the GD test. And they they were like, no, 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 you don't have to answer now. You can let us know, you know, in a few weeks. Oh my goodness. And that yeah. was when I was just like, I love this. Like, I love you. <laughs> like, I was like, this is amazing. There was no pressure. Um, And that was how it was for, you know, the GBS test, Um, which was funny because they, um, they did my GBS swab the Labor Day, like Labor Day weekend. And I guess it had been sitting too long at the lab. So they had to redo it again. But by the time they redid it again, I already gave birth. (laughs) I was like, awesome. Fine. Whatever. (laughs) We didn't need that that anyway. (laughs) But yeah, same with all the other procedures, all the other tests, you know, when it came to signing off on, you know, what we were going to do after birth with him, if we wanted the vaccinations or whatever it was that we wanted, they just presented the information and let me do what I did with it. Mm. And that's just something that is, I feel like almost impossible to find in our traditional prenatal care setting, because they're just very pushy on what they think is best. And I don't like that because you're not the parent, you're not the mom. Like, you know, I want to make these decisions for myself and my baby. Absolutely. I Can I get an amen? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's, I'm just so glad you were able to find such magnificent care and I, the parent's choice, right? That's what it's all about. It's allowing you to have that responsibility because it is your responsibility to make those decisions. It should not be anybody else's responsibility. You love your baby more than anybody else. You need to be able to do what is right for your family. So that's amazing. So it's just like, you know, oh, sorry. (laughs) No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, And it's just like, trust me to make that decision because I'm not going to do anything that's going to harm my child. Right. You know, and I hate that feeling like being judged for a decision that I make when it's like, I'm not a bad parent. I'm just trying to do what I think is best, which might be different from what you think is best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm actually a very well-informed parent. Thank you very much. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. So gosh, yeah. What a beautiful experience. And you said that you had your first swab, it stayed in the lab too long. And then you had your baby before you got your second results back. So what, how did that go down? How did labor begin? So it was funny because um, 
we, I think I told you this, I listened to your home birth story the day before I went into labor. And in your home birth story, you said, just make plans and the baby is going to decide to come. So that is real. for the rest of the day, it was a Friday. I listened to that episode for the rest of the day. After that, I kept saying that. And I had my 38 week appointment the day after on Saturday. And I kept saying that at the appointment to the midwives, like just totally joking. Like, and we actually made plans. We made dinner plans. Cause we were like, this is the last time we're going to go out for the babies here. Um, and I was convinced that I wasn't going to go into labor until at least I was, until I was past 40 weeks. Cause that's kind of like, you know, pretty common. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, you know, we got some time, like it's fine. Um, and so I went to the midwife appointment, you know, it was just a quick check to listen to the baby, to check his position. Um, and I mentioned, I was like, yeah, I was like, I've been having more intense cramps lately. And she's in midwife and looked at me and goes, oh, you're the third, you're the third mom that said that this week. And I was like, oh, oh. my word, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And so, um, it was funny because we left, um, went to the front desk to make my next appointment and they were having such a difficult time trying to find somewhere to put me in. And I jokingly said, oh, maybe he'll be here before then. Let me just help you out. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, maybe that's why it's so difficult because he already knows he's going to be here. You don't need to make an appointment. <laughs> um, so all these jokes and, you know, me constantly saying like, oh, he's going to come, he's going to come. And um, it was funny because later that night we started getting ready um, to go out to dinner, gotten dressed and everything, um, you know, did my hair, did my makeup, my husband got showered, did his hair, got all dressed up all night. And I was, I was just laying in bed, just waiting, you know, until it was time to go. And then I just heard a, or I just felt like a little gush and I was like, oh, oh my word, <laughs> what was that? And I was like, what was that? I was like, no, it was just discharge. Yeah. I was like, it was just discharge. And so, because, you know, with the end of pregnancy it comes with more discharge. So mm-hmm. I was like, it's just discharge. Like, it's not. I was like, that wasn't my water. No, no. Truly not. So I went to the bathroom and I wiped and I saw a little pink and I'm like, oh, huh. And I was like, wait, but the mucus plug can like be lost anytime, like, you know, it can be lost weeks before you actually go into labor. Mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't labor. That wasn't my water breaking. And then I was like, all right, you ready to go? <laughs> so I walked downstairs. I was like, let's go. And I was like, wait, let me go to the bathroom one more time. Um, you know, because well, at that stage too, I was going to the bathroom every 30 minutes. <laughs> so it was normal. And so I went to the bathroom and another little gush. And I texted my midwife and I'm like, hey. I thought you should know. I just felt a gush. Um, I'm not really sure what this means. And my midwife texted back and she goes, yay. Doesn't say that I'm in labor. Doesn't say that my waters were breaking. (laughs) She goes, yay, that's so exciting. Keep me updated. And I was like, all right, so I'm not in labor. It's fine. And so I looked at my husband. I was like, all right, you ready to go? And he he just stands by the garage door. He's looking at me. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, I'll be fine. I was like, it's just, I was like, this will be fine. And then as I start walking out the door, I feel another gush and then an intense cramp. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know what? Maybe let's stay home, actually. <laughs> I just decided. I was like, actually, never mind. <laughs> so that was how labor started. Um, and then my midwife called um, shortly after we decided to not go to dinner. And she she says, Hey, she's like, how are you feeling? And I just gave her a rundown on everything. And I asked, so was that my water breaking? And she said, yeah, definitely was just super nonchalant, casual, like, (laughs) yeah, no big deal. And I was like, Oh, okay. She was on speakerphone. I looked at my husband and he goes, and his face is just like, Oh my God, like it's happening. And so I was like, okay. And she said, you know, just get some dinner, you know, maybe order in if you're not feeling up to going out still and um, just get some rest. If you can try to rest early tonight and just keep me updated. I'll check in every once in a while, but you know, um, she said, you don't have to start timing your contractions yet. Just kind of keep doing what you're doing and just relax and get some rest. 
because it was around, you know, six o'clock by that time she had called. And so um, we were, you know, getting ready to go out to dinner and then we were just going to go home and just call it a night. But, you know, plans changed. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out. Yep. And so we, uh, we just decided to stay home. We ordered food, um, got it delivered. We ate and then just watched a movie, I think. I'm trying to remember. Oh, watched a movie. And, um, I got some work done because I was in my mind, I was convinced I had this, I had this running to-do list of this, these things I had to get done before I went into labor. And I was convinced, I convinced myself that I wouldn't go into full labor until I got all of these things on my to-do list done. Right. And the last thing was, um, updating like you know this website um I'm I'm in marketing and I do websites on the side so I was updating this website and as I'm texting my group of friends um I said hey just you know I think I'm in labor now so if you guys could just send some prayers that'd be awesome and um I'm sending them like these website updates I'm doing and my friends just cracking up like you're this girl is in labor and just casually working just a little this and that. And I was just like, I was like, I'm not gonna give birth until I do. Like, I was so convinced for some reason that my labor was gonna stall unless I got all these things done. So I got what I needed to get done, and then um, we went upstairs, got ready for bed, and then um, at that point, it was I was still able to kind of talk through my contractions, um, but at that point, I was still in denial that I was in labor, and it was, you know, we had, I had these gifts for the midwives. We had three and um, there's one midwife and two student midwives. And so I had a a gift for each of them, but I needed one last thing and I was going to get it that weekend. And I I told my husband, I said, oh, I forgot to get them that one last thing. I was going to do it tomorrow. And I was like, oh, we'll just go to the store tomorrow really quick and just grab, pick up a few things thinking that my labor was going to stall. We were, we were going to be able to make it to church and to the grocery store the next day. Simple. I was like, it's fine. I'm like, we'll be fine. Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> we didn't make it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> we didn't make it. So, um, yeah, so through, you know, after we went upstairs, went to bed, I slept like in 30 minute increments kind of waking up for each contraction. And then I think it was around 1 a.m. when I slowly started to get a little more regular, um, but I was still like in early labor and my midwife was texting and she said, okay, like maybe now you can start timing your contractions if you want. Um, and I remember at our home visit, she looked at my husband and she goes, you download it on your phone. She does not need to be timing her contractions because she saw that I had this, I had a binder full of just birth information. And she was like, you're very type A. She said, you do not need to use your thinking brain while you're in labor. She said, you're not allowed to time your own contractions because I don't want you to see what's happening. So my husband started timing it. Um, and then after a little bit, I was, he was falling in and out of sleep and I was like, just give me the phone. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm going to break all the rules. Like, I'll just, I'll just do it. It's fine. Um, so we were timing the contractions and then around like 6 a.m. is when they started to get a little more regular. And at this point, I was like, okay, I was like, am I in active labor yet? Like, I didn't know because I was like, they're getting more difficult for me to be able to actually like manage, like talk through. Um, and so I texted my midwife, like the screenshot of all the contractions and she said, oh, all she said was, looks good. Just, you know, let us know if anything else changes, but you look good so far. And I was like, okay. And it was just very hands off, like no pressure, you know, didn't make me worry or anything at all. So my midwife, I think just really wanted me to be in the present um, and be there like through my contractions and not kind of not worry about like what's going to happen next. Um, so now looking back, it's really great that she was very nonchalant in her messages, you know, and just kind of was there in the background already, even though she wasn't there, just kind of, you know, let me know what happens and let me know what we can do for you, but I'm just going to be hands off and we're not going to bother you. And I loved that. 
Um, and so around, I think it was like 9am. Yeah, 9am. The next morning, this was Sunday morning. Um, she called and she said, um, she said, Hey, so it looks like things are moving along well. Um, and wondering if you want us to come by and just see where you are, you know, and just at least set our things up there. And, you know, we can leave if you want to be left alone. Oh, or wait. Do you want so us to wait? Yeah. Had you, cho- you chosen to have a home birth at this point? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I completely I that. forgot. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. So yeah. Tell me, tell me real quick how that happened. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Mom brain. So I get it. <laughs> so when we were at the birth center, um, we were asking, cause she had asked us, do you want to do a birth center birth or a home birth? And at first I was like the birth center birth. And she said, okay. And I, and then I kind of got curious. And I said, what's the difference? And she said, the only difference is who comes to who. Mm-hmm. With the birth center, you come to us. With the home birth, we come to you. All the same equipment and everything. And then, so from there on, I was like, okay, you know what? Let's think about this. <laughs> it took about one day for me to go, okay, we're going to do a home birth. Because the thought of being in labor and sitting in the car, I didn't know what labor felt like, but I knew it wouldn't be comfortable. Right. And I knew I wouldn't want to be in the car trying to yep. get these distractions. And it's a 30 minute drive. So I was like, we're doing a home birth. We're doing a home birth. And so that was how we decided we were going to do a home birth. It was actually very easy. Uh, and then after the fact, we watched the business of being born and that further solidified our decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how we decided to have a home birth. Very cool. So that morning around, did you say around 9.30? She? Yes. Um, yes. Around like 9, 9.30 or so. She gave me a call and she asked, she um, had asked us, so how are you feeling? Like, it looks like things are going, you know, going pretty smoothly. They're moving along well. Do you want me to come to you now or would you like to wait? Do you feel okay by yourself? Um, and I said, you know what, maybe you can come now and then, um, you know, see where things are at um, and just check on the baby and just, you know, make sure his heartbeat's okay and just that everything was okay. Um, and so she did. And she said, you know, I'm just going to set up all my things here. And if you want to, if you want me to leave and be left alone, then I can and just, I'll just come back later. Um, but at that point, when she had gotten to the house about like, an hour later on like 10 30 or so I had moved into active labor and the reason I knew that was because I couldn't talk through my contractions at all um and so I was in active labor by the time she got there and she just kind of looked at me and watched me and I just remember you know hearing all these stories about how the midwives are just kind of there in the background and they just observe and that's exactly what she did Um, She just let me work through the contractions on my own. She was just very quiet. And then once that contraction was over, she resumed, you know, taking my vitals, um, checking on baby and all of that. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Um, So after that, after the initial check on everything, um, very shortly after I went into transition and the only reason I knew that I was in transition was because of listening to all these podcasts <laughs> saying you're going to feel like you're going to throw up and you're going to feel like you can't do it anymore. And that's exactly what it felt like. Um, I, looking back, I feel like I, I want to say I had like almost a pain-free labor, a pain-free birth, but the one moment where I, in the back of my mind was like, oh my God, this freaking hurts. I can't do this was as I was transitioning. And I remember, cause I was thinking of it as I felt the need to throw up. <laughs> and I remember leaning over my bathroom counter and then rushing to the toilet. Nothing came out. It was just gagging over the toilet, which was gross. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> fun. I just remember sitting there and, and then at that moment, I was finally like, oh, I'm in labor. We're doing this. Because up until that point, I was still like, it's going to stall. Something's going to happen. Because I hear all these stories of prodromal labor and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And so 
for me, I was, I didn't expect my labor to go any specific way, except I, I was just like in the back of my mind thinking it's going to stall for some reason. I had convinced myself of that, I guess. So I wouldn't be disappointed if it wasn't real labor. <laughs> <laughs> but so by the time I was in transition was when I finally came to terms with this is happening. This is happening now. I'm going to give birth. Um, and so I looked at my husband and I, was like, and I said, oh, you need to fill up the birth pool. <laughs> it was set up and everything. We were just waiting to fill it up because I didn't want to fill it up too early because I didn't want the water to get too cool. Um, and so that um, he started filling up the birth pool and then my midwife came into our bathroom and she had asked me, um, you know, again, how I'm feeling. And she said, do you want to try sitting on the toilet? She said that can kind of help shift things. It can help bring the baby down a little lower. And I said, sure. And oh my God, that was the most intense feeling because the whole time I was in labor before that, I was either standing or walking around or laying down. I was not open like I was on the toilet. And that was, as soon as I sat down, I was, I was like, oh my gosh. And about, I like a minute later, I felt the urge to push. And I was like, whoa, what's happening? And I, my husband was there, get the midwife. I don't know what's happening. And so I got the midwife and she, she said, okay, like, that's good. You know, that means baby's going down and you know, your body's working. And so by that time, the pool was finished filling up. And so I asked, I was like, can I please get in? Cause I was like, I, I just need something. I was like, I need to sit down. I don't want to sit on the bed. I don't want to sit on the floor. I was like, I don't like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> and so I was like, I just know, like, I need something, but I'm not sure what, so, mm -hmm. but I was like, maybe it's the birth pool. So I, she said, okay, you can get in the birth pool. And from there, I just labored for, I think another like three hours. It was like three hours of my body pushing. Mm. And it was the weirdest thing because I hear all these stories about, um, you know, women's bodies just doing its thing, like knowing when to push, how to push. And I didn't really know what that was like until I felt it. And it was like, I had no control over what was happening. I didn't actually like make myself push like the whole time I was in labor and it was crazy. And so I was just, I it was, it's like, it, I was just there and it was just happening to me. And I was just going along with it. Like I didn't actually have to do anything. Um, and it's nuts to me too, because I was so tired because I didn't really get any sleep. And at that point I had been up for like 24 hours, you know, with very little sleep in between at that point. And so I was falling asleep between pushes and between contractions. And I remember just nodding off and then waking up and then, you know, having that contraction and then going back to sleep mm -hmm. until the next one. And it was the strangest, but like most awesome feeling, I guess. I don't know another word for it, but to know that my body just was working on itself and doing what it needed to do. And I didn't have to worry or do anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool to, I mean, the idea of like, yeah, you, you, when birth happens, when it unfolds truly physiologically, like when it's uninterrupted, the, the experience that you had, and I'm not saying every single time, because always, you know, there's always a here and there, something will happen. But so often your body just does it. Like it just has the hormonal responses that are supposed to come. And then it just does it. And it mm -hmm. is so, it's hard because you want to be able to express to somebody like how it happens to, to even mm -hmm. prepare them for what they're going to experience. But it's kind of like, it just happens to you, <laughs> like yeah. you know, like I can't, I can't tell you how, but like it, your body just does it. It's just so fascinating how not only is each individual person different, you know, their own body mm -hmm. is different and how they'll experience labor, but each individual labor for a mother can be so vastly different, even when it is still fetal ejection reflex. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. And, you know, speaking of fetal ejection reflex, I had this idea that it was just gonna, it was just like a one push and that was fetal ejection reflex. I didn't realize until afterwards that that was kind of like what was happening to me that whole time. And it was, uh, there's no other word for it except for, you know, it's just automatic. Like your body is just doing it. Um, And that was just a wonderful feeling, just knowing that like not only my body, but my baby were working together to come in, to bring him into this world. And it was just, it was magical almost just as intense as labor was, I feel like the whole time I was just very grateful and also in awe, like this was my body that is doing this. Like my body is doing this and every contraction, I remember telling myself like, it's not, it's not painful necessarily. It's just very intense and it can't be too much because it's me, Mm -hmm. like it's my own body. And it's not more than me. It's not overcoming me because this is me and this is my body doing it. So like, and telling myself, you know, I can get through this. Oh, that's amazing. And clearly you did. So (laughs) you said you pushed for a long time though, right? Three hours is what it was. Um, But I didn't, I was in and out of sleep so much that at, at some point I was like, how long have I been doing this for? Like, it feels like it's been a really long time, but I just kept going and I was just like, it's just going to happen. I'm just going to let it happen. Um, And I'm very grateful for my team of midwives and my husband that just kind of kept me comfortable the whole time, either through, um, you know, my midwife supported my perineum, which was extremely helpful because she said, she, she asked me if I wanted her to, and I said, yes. And she said, this might help you get an idea of where to, you know, when you get that contraction again, kind of where to send that energy to. And it really did. It made a huge difference, I think. Um, And that and my other midwives that were there with the cold washcloths, because it was, you know, in that hot birth pool and our room was getting hot because it was getting to be the afternoon. Um, And then my husband there, you know, making sure that I'm drinking my water um, making sure that I'm hydrated. And he got me these little, um, the mama chia packs for little energy. And that was, I think that gave me the last little bit of energy that I needed to finally push him out. Mm. (laughs) That's so amazing. And then what was that like once you, as you're pushing him out, once you pushed him out? So as I pushed him out, I didn't quite know it was happening because I was just so focused on just kind of sending that energy down where it needed to go and just focusing on breathing through those pushes. Um, and so once his head came out, I felt this immediate sense of relief. I was like, oh, it feels like so much less pressure down there. And then once that happened, um, that was the next push, the next contraction was the first time I actually pushed like I actually made myself push and that was to push the rest of his body out um and my husband caught the baby and brought him onto my chest and it was just the most incredible feeling and it was just like everything that we had prayed for everything we had you know hoped for prepared ourselves for through you know watching all these birth videos all these documentaries taking all these courses um, like that was the moment, like everything was just like, this is, this is why we did it. Mm. That's so beautiful. Oh gosh, (laughs) Michelle, your story is so, so amazing. And like I said earlier, I kind of just can't get over the way that you really, I mean, you just took responsibility for yourself and your baby from beginning all the way to the end. It's so empowering, I think, for mothers to hear that and to hear how you advocated so well and ensured your baby's safety for certain. So it just, it's such a beautiful story. I'm so honored that you came on the podcast. Thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Did you get goosebumps? 
I totally did when Michelle shared how she did what she had to do to get progesterone for her baby and seemingly just in time. As we head into this week's episode roundup, you can bet your bottom dollar that's what we're going to discuss. Michelle took it upon herself to do research and see what it was that she needed. She took on additional financial responsibility through testing, knowing that the safety of her baby could very well be on the line. Even when her OB spoke down to her and acted as though her desires were silly and unnecessary, she persevered. This is huge, and it leads me to the most important thing you can ever know. Nobody knows your baby and your body like you know your baby and your body. And as harsh as it sounds, nobody is going to care about your body and your baby as much as you will. So don't bow down to people simply because they have the air quotes authority of a white coat. You are an intelligent human being and you can advocate for what your baby needs. And if your intuition and prior experiences are telling you that something may be off, listen to that and act. Even if you think others might call you silly or think you're wrong, who cares? Michelle is snuggling her baby right now and I doubt she gives a flying flip about what her OB thinks about progesterone. Okay, my friends, what an incredible episode. It's all I've got for you for now, so I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.